everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. This episode oh boy. is another repeat, but... Oh, boy. Because there's something called the Olympics that are happening. Are you serious? Is that what's happening? Something like that? I don't know. Olympics? I saw trials, Olympic trials, and I was like, oh, it's a murder trial. Great. We find out if the Olympics murdered their spouse for the insurance money, but it turns out to be some sort of other kind of trials. So NBC, you really screwed the pooch. I'm sorry. They televised the Olympic trials? Oh, yeah. I didn't know it. Did you watch any of it? No. Do I care? Not at all? No. Don't care at all. Not one event? I need to watch a bunch of girls swimming. That was my high school. But they're like, they're really, they're the best. Yeah, good for them. I'm happy for them. I might watch a little bit. Okay. I get down. So this episode is called The Comic Book Murder. Oh my gosh. How did you not do this for a Patreon? I'm sh- I gotta say I'm shocked. I know. It's a good one. It's very special. Yeah. So if you're listening to this right now, feel the special in the room because... It's big. I picked a special one. Yeah. It is season 21, episode 18, January 25th, aired in 2013, which means we have a baby Dennis hosting Yeah. with very fluffy hair. And sideburns. Dennis. Sassy sideburns. I like it. I dig it. Our voiceover is not Lester Holt. It is some sort of action movie trailer person who's like, in a world, an asteroid came to Earth, and there was only one man who could stop it. His name was Dennis Murphy, yeah. and his fluffy hair. And sideburns. So the big thing about this episode, yes, you have something to say? You look puzzled. Yeah, I was just thinking, I forgot about that voiceover at the beginning. Yeah, it's gone. It's only at the very beginning, and then it's gone. But they hired someone to do that. So I'm talking production value on a whole of this episode is on another level. This is why we don't get graphics anymore, because they spent it all in this episode in 2013. Now we know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So right away, the graphics, it's all comic books. It's graphics. Number one, it's just, it's graphics. It's like a graphic novel. Every time they like freeze on someone's face and then that face turns into a comic book sketch. Yeah. Or a location, and it's a comic book sketch. Or we fade from a comic book sketch into the actual video or photo of the location or the person. It's incredible. It's a high production value. And it's throughout. It's not just at the beginning and one other time. It's the whole time we're getting this kind of idea. And it's also like shifting screen. You're going from panel to panel to panel. Mm-hmm. Turn the page. Like it's a mm-hmm. whole. It's it's like reading a comic book. I wouldn't know. Never read one. But I think this is what it's like. It is. This is not like Chad the intern. This is like they hired a professional. Many. Maybe a team. I think this was Chad the intern before Chad the intern left to work at Marvel. There you go. I think that this was his opus. Yeah. And he's yeah. sort of. put it all out there and then got it seen by somebody. Stan Lee saw it and said, hey, I want you. Stan Lee totally watches Dateline. Yeah, that checks out. So we are in a strip mall outside Detroit. Lots of Michigan accents, which means I get to butcher them for the rest of the episode. You do a good Michigan accent. It's one of the ones you do well. One of them. No, you do a few. that? No, you do. Ah, come on. You do a few exceptionally well. And then you do others fine. But there's a couple that you do like you're really good at them. And Michigan Midwest is one of them. 
Yeah, that's because so. those are my people. Yeah. So we are at a mom and pop comic book store called Comics World, which is owned by Barbara and Michael George. Michael George. George Michael in reverse. Oh, I guess it would be nice if I could touch body. <laughs> I know nothing body. Comics World was their passion, or rather Michael's passion. Barb's parents helped them financially to open it because he was obsessed with comics. He used to sell insurance. He quit it. They opened this dream store. We are back in 1990. We're rewinding all the way back to the 90s. Friday the 13th. Not important. I thought they'd make a whole theme out of it. They don't. Not at all. No. They're too busy. So this couple stops by Comic World on Friday night. They were regulars. How cute is that? They would go there and then go out to dinner. Dream, couple goals. Do they read the comic together? I feel like they might read it together. I think it's they like, might read it together. Like a couple pages a night? Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. That's real fun. I love them. That's cute. I, I did love them, especially Tom her. and Lenora. I wish they were in it more. They were barely in it. I know. Me too. So they stopped by Friday night. No one was at the counter. They're waiting for someone. And there's some teenagers in the store waiting to pay. Which I was highly impressed that teenagers did not just steal the comics. I said non-B.O.W.s. Non-Bows in the house. Yeah. Good teens. Good teens. Good Claps teens. for you. So one of the teens peeks in the back of the store and finds Barbara lying there, maybe dead. Ooh. So she's taken to the emergency room. Dennis tells us that she was a little heavy, but physically fit. How rude, Dennis. She was size beautiful. I would not have used that word. That's not even in 1990. I've never heard someone fat shamed more as a victim than this poor woman. It comes up later multiple times. I don't feel like heavy. Again, I feel like that's the wrong. She's curvy. There could have been other things. But then he does make a point to say she was really active in softball and she was this and this. She was a thick gal. You could just say curvy. Curvy. So really quick, back to the people finding the dead body. Do you think they bonded? I feel like they might have. The teens and the older couple. And Lenora and what's his? Tom. Tom. Yeah. Because she immediately takes over because she was a nurse. And so she comes in and Tom's like trying to distract the boys and is like, okay, it's all right, son. Yeah. Protective over the teenagers. Yeah, I can see that. And then when they see each other on the street now, they just give a, you know, a slight way because they've been through this thing together. Nod. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A shared trauma. Yeah, Do you, absolutely. Did they ever invite the teens over for like Thanksgiving if they're not getting along with their parents? They're like, you can always, my door is always open, kids. I think they may have invited them over to swim in the pool. Yeah. Like if that. you ever want to come over and swim and they've taken them up on it a couple of times, they're very respectful and it's always Mr. and Mrs. Oh, yeah. I love this. Okay. None of this was in the dateline, you guys. No, this I made all, all of that up, but it's a good one. And I want to believe it's true. So at the hospital, a doctor pronounces Barbara dead. She was shot in the head. Meanwhile, she was apparently planning a surprise birthday party for her husband, Michael. So everyone's showing up at the shop for this surprise party, only to find that it's the worst surprise ever. Surprise, Barbara's dead. Put a pin in that. Remember that she is planning a surprise party for her darling husband. Darling, darling husband. Who is had my OMG moment in the fact that it's his 30th birthday. No, that's not correct. Yes, it is, ma'am. He's a hard 47. He's 30. No, that's not. That's a, he's a Michigan 30. It's my OMG. He's wow. 30 years old and he has two wow. children. What 
have you done with your life? Wow. He also has a mustache very similar to our mustachioed man from, was it last week? The week before last week. And he rocks dad core outfits all the time. So consider this a continuation. Okay. Best Dads in America series. It's a new series. So Lenora and her husband saw a car speeding away and they said to each other, boy, that car's going too fast. And they felt like something was wrong. Mm. Now, there's another guy who saw someone lurking outside the shop and he's wearing an outfit that was strange for that time of year because it's summertime. He's wearing a Greek fisherman's cap, which will become... (laughs) So mentioned so many times, which they Greek literally fisherman's cap, Greek fisherman's cap. Show us what that is in like one of those things that would be like at an auction where you're highlighting the item. It's like an all black screen yeah. and just a green fisherman's hat with like a goldy yeah. braid around the brim. And it's just. Yeah. We're taking bids for this Greek fisherman's cap starting at $5,000. Do I see $5,000? Suspect in a murder for this potentially. I didn't know that. What's a Greek fisherman's cap? What's the difference between a regular fisherman's cap? What makes a Greek? So I think a fisherman's cap, you tend to think of the ones that go down. It's like a sort of bucket. A fisherman's cap would be like a bucket cap. And so this is a Greek fisherman's cap, which is a cappy. It's a form of a cappy. Oh, yeah. That's what I would picture for a fit. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Someone else saw someone. So this is our third suspicious somebody. Somebody wearing a fake beard. Dennis tells us possibly a bearded lady. Again, that's rude, Dennis. She has PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, and it causes excessive hair growth. It's not her fault. How dare you? Look out, because here I come, and I'm marching on to the beat I drum. Sorry, is that the song she sings? This is me from uh, The Greatest Showman. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes, from The Greatest Showman. Yes, absolutely. Oh, 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 if you haven't watched the rehearsal of that on YouTube, it's fantastic. I've watched it a thousand times. Really? Oh, yeah. It's so good. And they're all in like the rehearsal room singing. Oh, she kills it. So good. Yeah, so good. So I know. I I think we're basic for loving that musical, but it was so good. I'm sorry. I only know that song. Oh, it's a good movie. I have never seen the movie or the musical. (laughs) I mean, maybe it's not a good movie, but it's one of the best musicals that's come out that was... New. I only watch what YouTube presents to me. The bar and is low. Because I watched the 25th anniversary backstage of Les Mis, they were like, you might like this rehearsal video of this. And I was like, oh, okay. So I am the most basic. Because I just... Yeah, because you haven't even seen the movie. No. It has Zac Efron in it. No. Ugh, I love Zac Efron. Yeah, I'm not... Yeah. So there's a PCOS lady, possibly... There's the fisherman's cat person and the person driving way too fast. I think it's also a lady wearing a beard. Let's be clear. It's actually like a person in a disguise. It's like a fake beard. Yeah, like a Santa beard that's black. They saw someone with a fake beard and the sketch looks like the Unabomber, but with a beard. Because there's a hoodie up, sunglasses, and a fake beard. And not at all like a woman. So I'm not sure why people were saying woman. No, the picture looks nothing like a woman, but they said she had womanly hips or something. And that made them think. Okay, well, that's this episode is just okay. That let's, is offensive. Let's press on. Cause, all right. My goodness. So we get this video game type walkthrough of the store. It's like a first person shooter game which is very impressive. It The graphics just incredible. Where'd this CGI come from? Who's doing that? Justin? We're, wa- we're watching a walkthrough. It's like we're in a 
somebody's going to pop out with a gun and we're going to shoot them. This is not to be confused with the comic book graphics that we're still getting throughout. This is just CGI walkthrough of Another the comic book level store. Another graphics. This is the season opener. Yeah. Okay. It's, no, it's not. But it seems like it would be. This is maybe Sweeps Week. Sweeps yeah. Week. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So it, they thought it was a robbery, but there's $750 in the cash register. Okay. There's a wall of collectible comics untouched. And Barbara had $400 found in her pockets, which is just a lot of money to have in your pockets. And her jewelry is still on her. Yeah. She was probably pizza, probably spent $200 on pizzas. Yeah. So she wanted to tip the guy. Yeah. So apparently she was shot in the head, but the first bullet missed her and goes through, no joke, the eyeball of the swimsuit model of the on the swimsuit calendar, which is for some reason in the back room. Why is that there? It gives you a window into their marriage, I feel like. I don't like that for Barbara. I don't either. I was like, Barbara, take it down. Considering she's size beautiful and some of the stuff that comes up later. So Yeah, so put a pin in that too. Remember, yeah. swimsuit catalog, surprise yeah. birthday party. Yeah. So Mike's, we're going to call him Mike. There's no good Mike's on Dateline ever. It used to be on our bingo cards. Here's a Mike. Mike's comic drawing, because we see his drawing, looks like just terrifying. He has spiky hair and a pencil dirtbag mustache, and one eye is bulbous. When we see him in real life, his eyes are not bulbous, but one of them is, and so it's like an interpretation that the artist did. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Mike notices two boxes filled with very expensive comics that are gone from the back room, and he claims they're worth $12,000. He later files an insurance claim and gets reimbursed for those. And that's all that's taken. That's all that's taken. No valuable comics behind the register, just these two mysterious boxes. Yeah. He says he has an alibi. He had gone and picked up the kids and gone to his mom's house where he took a nap on the couch. They ask him, did you have a girlfriend or an affair? He says no. But he's acting kind of strange. At the funeral, he had dark sunglasses on inside, which is not a good look. And we meet Barbara's brother, Joe, and Barbara's brother, Joe's girlfriend, Mary, who is the gossip that she loves to spill the tea. And she's like, like Stevie Wonder would wear. Mary's good times. Yeah. Mary is a great interview. She should be on every Dateline. Mm -hmm. And I think she was on because she's such, even though she's not still in the picture, it's an ex-girlfriend. You're still like, Yeah. yeah, you're great. So Mary and Joe go to check on Mike a few days after the funeral. Mary, meanwhile, is devastated. Joe is Barbara's brother. He's devastated. Mary's like, I wasn't even related to her and I'm just devastated at this loss. So I expect Mike, the husband, to be devastated. So they go to visit him and check on him. And he walks into the living room and there's a vacuum there. And he embraces the vacuum and he says, this is Barb's vacuum. She's never going to use this vacuum again. And then, and she's like, he showed more emotion with the vacuum than he did at the funeral. And then she goes into the kitchen and he points at the blender and he's like, she's never going to blend again. It's a bit much. It's too much. And he's crying, but she says there are no tears. No tears. No tears. So. Never going to blend again. (laughs) 
It's such a performance. Was he like dancing with the vacuum? I'm picturing a Beauty and the Beast type. Yeah. They said he like swept it up. Yeah. Swept it up into his arms, embraced it, maybe kissed it. It makes me feel icky inside. Like the whole thing because... That's not also, how you act. Was she only a housekeeper and a blender to you? Was that all she she when you think of your wife, you think of a vacuum. She kept she vacuumed for you. I mean, we've seen worst. At least he didn't bring out a box of her clothes and we're like, Mary, do you want to go through these bras? Like, at least it wasn't that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, we could have had a really bad, much worse situation. But the sort of performativeness of this is real gross. It makes my stomach hurt. I'm, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's one of those people on that show, Extreme Love, that falls in love with inanimate objects like a car or a toaster. I have cried and embraced my beta brand pants. Oh, I believe that. But I think that's normal. So Beta Brand has customer favorite dress pant yoga pants, which are dress pants that are as comfortable as yoga pants. And they're made of wrinkle resistant stretch knit fabric, which means you can wear them all day and night. You can work at your comic book store. You can go straight to a surprise party you're throwing for your spoiler alert, no good husband. They have tons of stuff. Did I give something away? I did. I don't care. I think it's obvious by now. I think they We don't like Mike. They They have tons of styles like boot cut, straight leg, skinny. They have cropped ones that are perfect for summer and they're in lighter fabrics and lighter colors. So that's what I'm buying now. They have plus sizes. They have short leg pants, i.e. Kimberly pants. The best part is that most of us have been wearing comfortable pants for the past year. And now that we're going outside again, it's like uncomfortable cutting into my skin waistband. I don't know her. So I am ordering these really cute cropped blue pants that are made with the lightweight materials for summer. Perfect for when I leave my air conditioning, flee to the coffee shop's air conditioner, then go to the grocery store for their air conditioning and and then back home again. But I'm going to look great doing it. Oh yeah. I will keep you posted if I start to cry over these pants. I think I probably will. I think you probably have. I already have. And when I get these new ones, I'm probably going to embrace them in front of people. And they're going to think it's really weird. And I'm going to say, get some beta brand pants and you'll understand. Yeah. And then they're going to buy some and understand. Yeah. Right now, our listeners can get 30% off their first order by going to betabrand.com forward slash dateline. That's 30% off your first order for a limited time at betabrand.com forward slash dateline. Discover what it's like to be comfortable and confident all the time, which I think are two of the five C's of relationships. Nailed it. Comfortable, confident. Perfect. I want my beta brand, beta brand, beta brand. I want my beta brand, beta brand, beta, beta brand pants. Embrace me. (laughs) I'm joining a sorority called Beta, Beta, Beta. Oh. I'm pledging. Hopefully there won't be any hazing. And if the hazing involves wearing beta brand pants, then I'm fine with it. So police are digging into the case, unlike my beta brand pants dig into my stomach. And they're getting calls that Mike might have been involved with a store clerk. Remember when he said he wasn't having an affair? He's a liar. I didn't buy that for a second. Yeah. He is involved with the store clerk, Renee. Renee has five kids. Never understand when people abandon their wife and kids to go with another lady who has even more children. Scott Peterson, we're looking at you. Yeah. So Renee has five kids and was in the middle of a divorce. 
Also, Barbara is the one who met Renee at school, at the kid's school, and hired her. And that's a slap in the face to Barbara. Yeah, it really is. That's rude. So shortly after the murder, Mary and Joe, our heroes, stop by the shop and they see Mike and Renee canoodling. No thanks. Thank you, Dennis. They were giggling and they were all over each other. Imagine how that felt for Joe, whose sister was just murdered. And he walks in and sees his brother-in-law canoodling with another woman. So what's funny is that Joe is not a retiring wallflower. Like Joe is a kind of, he's got like a chain and like an open neck. He's. I'm scared of Joe. I would not want Joe to be mad at me. And we're going to find something out later. Right. Be more careful. You're in a public place. But was there more to that story? Did Joe punch him in the face? How did he not punch him in the face? I feel like he might have, and we just don't hear that part of the story. I'm surprised Mary didn't say, hold my earrings and punch him in the face. Smack him with her purse. Yeah. Just whack. The detectives want to talk to Mike, but he lawyers up. Now... Joe, this, oh, sorry, we're jumping. This is right when I was saying we're going to find something out about Joe. He admits to Dennis, I was so frustrated. I thought about taking the law into my own hands, which I pretty sure think he means killing Mike. And he says, I just couldn't go through with it because I'm Catholic. So I couldn't live with it. Okay. I make fun of organized religion sometimes, but if it's stopping you from murdering someone, that's fine. You don't. That's fine. Good. I love that he can just openly admit on television that he thought about murdering someone. (laughs) There's no consequences. But it's also almost like he didn't need to tell us. Like, we know. I would have walked in, seen him canoodling, and said, does your vacuum know that you're with her? (laughs) I thought you were in a relationship with your Dyson. It wasn't a Dyson. I'm sure they didn't have a Dyson. Uh, I, I wish I had a Dyson. Oh. So the shop closes in 1992. Mike and Renee are now married. That was quick. How many children? She has five. He has two. So they moved to Pennsylvania, raising all seven kids living together. They did get, well, Mike got $130,000 in life insurance. So they were able to move to Pennsylvania, get a house. They opened up a new comics store there, Comics World Part Deux, and They're raising all the seven kids together. Everyone in town thought he was a great husband. He donates to charity. He's a great dad. Everyone loves him. How does he donate to charity? I'm sorry. Comic book stores are the kind of thing where it's like it's your passion and you have something else that you're making money doing or you're really good at selling valuable, like tracking and selling valuable comics Yeah, because you just can't. I don't think you make a lot of money. Yeah. I don't know how. So in the years that pass, the former chief of police has passed away and his son. So his name, Chief Smith, his son, Eric Smith, says that every time we would drive by the comic store, my dad would say, I wish I could assault that one. And Eric wishes he could help. Then four years after, Eric becomes the county's lead prosecutor. And in hopes of solving this case for his deceased dad, he starts a cold case unit and he wants to solve this comic book case. At this point, we find that Barbara's brother, Joe, and girlfriend, Mary, had broken up. And I was very upset about it. Me too. I was as well. I was a mess. Do you remember in Secrets in Silver Lakes with the wolf pack and that Kelly, and I believe it was Mike, broke up? And we were rooting for them. I was devastated. I'm still devastated. 
They were a good couple. They gossiped I'm going to take your word for it. Okay. The couple that gossips together stays together. And I still like Mary, but they're apparently still close. Thank God. Thank you for telling us that dateline. I know they almost cut that out because they're like, this is not important. No one cares. We care. We care. We care. And I want to know that they're still close. Yeah, I, I do too. It. I, I need to believe agree. in love. So, well, And we just need to believe that like they seemed good together. So it's a waste. You yeah. want them to be friends because there's no reason. Okay, so you didn't make it romantically. That doesn't mean you're not supposed to be in each other's lives. I don't like so wasted time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So it's, but it's not a waste if you learn something. So even, and we're not saying stay friends with the toxic person. Let me say it feels more like a waste, but yes, don't stay <laughs> friends, obviously, with the toxic person. Don't do that. So it's been 17 years since the murder. Time has flown by. They, police don't have much. They have 17 years? 17 years. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. So it is. There's, they have no weapons. They have no DNA. Detectives just have good old-fashioned shoe leather, which is one of Dennis's favorite expressions. Absolutely. He loves, yeah. he loves the phrase gumshoe, and he loves the phrase shoe leather. Anything with shoes, he loves. Oh, yeah, sure. So these detectives interview over 100 people, and one of them is a game changer, specifically a softball game changer. He is a girls' softball coach. His name is Mike also, which is going to be confusing. So I'm just going to call him the softball coach. I think you should just call him Dr. Xavier, Professor Xavier. I don't know what that means. Because in a minute, he looks so much like that guy in X-Men that is in the chair. I've never seen X-Men. Every time I saw him on screen, I was like, what is going on with this guy? He's either like super powerful or he's a villain and he's controlling everything behind the scenes. So he is in a wheelchair, which is only important because it's going to be important later because I have a thought about it. Oh, Katie's nodding. I think she has the same thought. Okay. So back in 1990, this softball coach was a college senior. And the night of the crime, he had called the store at 530, which is shortly before Barbara was murdered. And he wanted to know why one of his comics a Spider-Man had gone up in value all of a sudden. And Mike answered the phone. He knew it was Mike because he was at that shop all the time. He called them. He visited. He even visited the store earlier that day. So he knows Mike's voice. And he. it sounded like Mike was in a hurry and needed to get off the phone. And normally they would BS, he says, but this time they didn't BS. So now we freeze on the softball coach telling Dennis this and then we pan out and it's on a TV monitor and Dennis is standing in front of the TV monitor. Oh boy. And I was like, Dennis, how are you in two places at once? Magic. Yeah. Dream within a dream. It's great. Incredible. Dennis within a Dennis. So this softball coach demolishes Mike George's alibi. He said he was asleep on his mom's couch and the coach had told the cops this back in the 90s, but it just sat in the files. And when they asked the former detective about it on Dateline, he's like, I never saw it. If I had seen it, I would have gone and arrested Mike immediately. But he's like, I never saw it. I don't know what to tell you. It was in the file. Sometimes it's good to go over things with fresh eyes. How does that happen? I did have a theory. It's written like he called at 1800 hours or something, 17 five oh whatever and i thought maybe someone doesn't know that sort of time and they got confused maybe that's how it got lost so instead of just figuring it out they just 
said, next. Right. They were like, just, I don't know what that means. Forget it. It wasn't 11 a.m., so next. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, got it. (laughs) So the detectives now are so excited. They go to Pennsylvania, road trip, and they're going to talk to Michael George. And Dennis asks us the best question I've ever heard. Was Michael George finally collectible? It's a quotable, quotable, quotable. That is brilliant, Dennis. It's really good. Well done. Really well done. So they make this interview of Michael George way more dramatic than it needs to be. They all synchronize their watches and they're going to do three different interviews at the exact same time so no one can change their story. So they're going to the shop where Mike is, they're going to the house where Renee is, and they're going to the mom's house all at the same time. But the cops that go to the shop are a minute late. And so they walk in and he's already on the phone with Renee and he's saying, no, there's nobody here. And then he turns around and he sees them and he says, they're here. There's no way they were a minute late because she has already clearly finished her talk because she's calling him. She wouldn't be calling him with them talking to her. Right. Because why would the cops at her house let her make a phone call? That defeats the whole purpose. Unless she's like, I have to go to the bathroom right now. And then calls really fast. Oh, maybe. But those cops were very they were like give us your phone then it definitely seems to be more the kind of thing where you hear about like in the Kristen smart place when they executed search warrants at the same time was like hey we're gonna execute three different properties same time so no one can hide anything it was a lot but i did think it was effective it was smart yeah and i liked the they're here yeah that Um, was good so they record the conversation and they tell mike we're reopening the case of barbara's death And he says, "Okay, what's wrong with him? (laughs) Give some reaction, man. He's a lot like the mustachioed man from two weeks ago who has no who's a robot who has no emotion except for a vacuum cleaner. And he gives no reaction when they pick him up from the crime. No reaction at the funeral. No reaction at the funeral. We get major reaction with the vacuum. Wouldn't the first question out of your mouth be, oh, my God, what happened? Who did it? Well, so Dennis does one of my favorite things that Dennis loves to do, but we've never talked about it on the show. He loves to pretend that he's the person saying what he thinks they should have said. So he does this improv. So he says, and so he said, oh my gosh, that's great. You're reopening the case. It's been 17 years. She was my wife. She deserves justice. Let me buy you gentlemen a beer. This is great news. And then they go, no, he didn't say that. He just said, okay. Dennis loves to improv. He's a yes and. You see why Dennis is my favorite. He's awesome. I really do. You think Dennis doesn't make up little storylines in his head about things? Yes, he does. Yeah. He's like, that's how the conversation should have gone. So he always acts it out. I love it. So Michael says strange things when they're interviewing him. He's like, I remember the funeral because there were so many cars. Just get out of here, dude. I just really, I have zero There were a lot of cars. The parking lot was so crowded that day. Huh. Okay. So he had back then said it was a robbery because of those two boxes that he said went missing. But now, 17 years later, he's saying, I think someone wanted to get back at me and Barb was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't know why someone wanted revenge on me, but it should have been me that was there so that Barbara would still be alive to raise our kids. And no one believes him. And now he says their marriage was rocky. They fought about finances. And now he fully admits that he was having an affair, which he did not 17 years ago. 
So they start to question him deeper and they're like, how did the killer know that those two boxes that were unmarked were where the really expensive comics were stored? Unless it was an inside job or insurance fraud. And Mike flips and he's like, so now you're saying I'm a liar? Well, I better get a lawyer. This is BS. Okay, well, if you're going to come around, you better tell me because I'm going to have a lawyer. You're calling me a liar now. So now we see a little bit of his temper. So who is he suggesting that it was a rival collector? Unsure. And in which case, why aren't they going after the other Mike? I think there's probably a million collectors that visit that store all the time, including Lenora and Tom. But they're not collectors. They're not buying like super expensive volumes. Right. They're just lovers. So Professor X is a collector. And so he's calling on a Friday night at 20 years old because he's researching that his Spider-Man comic went up. So this is his life. He is an avid. That is his thing. Oddly enough, we'll find out later, he had two jobs, also was in college, and also had a daughter at age 20. How does he have time to be an avid collector? But he somehow does. You make time for your hobbies, I guess. Yes, you do. That's right. Yeah, it's important self-care. There you go. So they decide we are going to arrest Mike now. And he and his mustache look quite startled in his mugshot. If a mustache can show personality, it is saying, I did not expect this. It's an unexpected mustache. I like yeah. it. That's a great title. And we see him being walked away in shackles and he is crying like he did with the vacuum. And he's saying, I was with my mom and my daughters. They know I didn't do this. I didn't do this to the one reporter who's holding a microphone in his face. My second OMG moment. I just wasn't expecting it. I've never seen someone in shackles not act stoic. They always act stoic. They said he was so unemotional. They kept telling us how unemotional he was. So to see him weeping, which it's not going to be the last time. No, he's a weeper when it has to do with him. Which is really unlikable. Like not to show emotion, just that you didn't weep about her just because it's you. Man, that's no good. No thanks. So the trial starts and we see a lot of comic book style sketches of the courtroom, including one which breaks the fourth wall, which was bizarre. It shows the back of two blonde children's heads hmm. and they are watching the trial on TV and they're aiming a remote at the TV. Were they changing the channel? Who are these blonde children? Who? Where are their parents? Flowers in the attic. I don't watching, know. What is happening? Are they turning it up? Are they bored? Are they changing the channel? Why aren't they being supervised? Why aren't they at school? Why didn't they make it adults? Why didn't they make it adults? Why are we breaking the fourth wall? I don't understand. No, Chad is building a world here. Stop questioning. You're asking too many questions is what you're doing. You need to suspend your disbelief and just this is the world we're in now. Yeah. We see the prosecutor has a strange, thick mustache it is reminiscent of a famous German dictator and our dad from two weeks ago. No, and I can't do impressions of him. Charlie Chaplin. What's the prosecutor's name? Ch Charlie Hitler. I think his last name is Chaplin. <laughs> I was shocked. It's like Pam on The Office when she dresses like Charlie Chaplin. She's like, I can't take the hat off because now I'm Hitler. I think they said Chaplin. If his name is Chaplin and he grew that mustache. As an homage to his ancestor. Otherwise, why? 
Why? That's the only reason I can think of that's good. That's a good reason. And believe it or not, this is not the episode that I mentioned a few weeks ago that has a lawyer with a Hitler mustache. This is a different episode. It's a little bit wider than a than a Adolf. It's bushier. It's like a Adolfo. It's it's bigger. It's, it's Adolfo. A, it's it is closer to Mussolini. He wants to be a dictator. He has thicker, maybe prose infused hair follicles that are causing some impressive growth there. It could be. By now, you've probably heard us talk about pros. Pros is the world's most personalized hair care. And I wanted to share a few updates because I continue to use pros every day and I love it. Spoiler alert, it is the real deal. With pros, my hair is shinier. It's smoother. It feels very, very strong now. And from someone who has bleached overprocessed hair, I can tell you that this is the Katya of the future. Her hair is going to be healthy. <laughs> it's going to grow long and strong. And it's all because of pros. Do you wash your hair every day? I wash my hair every other day now. And the reason is because I have these pros in between products. And sometimes I wash it every two days. So I love the system because I have a shampoo, a conditioner that really nourish my hair and they make it feel clean without weighing it down and feeling overconditioned. So I don't feel like I have to wash it every day because the next day it's greasy. I have a pre-shampoo treatment so that right after I bleach my hair, I try to use that twice a week. And then that really helps that all the split ends and flyaways that come after you bleach your entire head. Shout out to my ladies who know what I'm talking about and my gentlemen. I also have a hair oil, which I can use in between that may seem like it adds grease, but really what it does is it just adds health back into my hair because it doesn't get greasy as much as it gets kind of starchy. And this makes it all smooth again. It's amazing. I've never had products like this. And Pros uses globally and sustainably sourced ingredients. They use ingredients that are ethically harvested from all the corners of the world together with trusted local partners. The formulas give you specific ingredients your hair actually needs. Sometimes that means that it might be a really efficient man-made element or a very simple natural element. The magic is in their uniquely personalized combinations. It's not just like one single star item. Like our podcast. Kind of. Aw, trust the process because pros guarantees you're going to love the results. And they know that there is more to you than just your hair, quote unquote, type. Pros has given over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz, which is how I got started, how Kimberly got started. And the questions are not really what you would expect. For example, not just the how thick or thin your hair is, but what's the actual density of your hair? Like, what does it look like on your scalp when you Get in there in the mirror and look at it. Do you have a wider part? Do you have a lot of hair there? Also, are you losing your hair? And does that run in your family? Which I feel like are really important questions. And you know that the questions they're asking are really going to help them assess and create the perfect formula that is made just for you. And it is literally just for you because the bottles have your name on it. My bottles say Katie. It's incredible. With their algorithm and over 50 million formula combinations, excuse me, that's 50 billion formula combinations. Pros determines a unique blend of ingredients to treat your exact concerns. And they also have a review and refine feature, which lets you tweak your formula for any reason, like a change of address. You decide that you want to go from bleach blonde to a lavender, which I really, really want to do. Or if you have a change in your diet. If you're not 100% positive, Pros is the best hair care you've ever had. They will take the products back, no questions asked. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name literally written all over it. 
Take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. That's 15% off. Go to pros.com slash date dateline. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash date dateline for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off. Woo! Strike a pros. Pros, 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 pros. So the prosecution during the trial, they don't have the DNA. They don't have forensics. They don't have a murder weapon. They don't have a lot. They bring on soccer coach, Dr. Evil. What are we calling him? Dr. Xavier? Professor X. Professor X. So that's what they have, basically. Then it's the defense's turn. So the defense tries a thing that all defense teams do, which is you try to get the case thrown out by the judge because there's not enough evidence. They say the state hasn't proved their case. Throw it out before it goes to jury. It's called a directed verdict. Oh, I okay. did a little reading about it. Does it always happen? Like in tri- They made it seem like it's something that happens. All it happens the- all the time. And the judge usually is like, nope, pass. Next. So within seconds, they deny it. But this time the judge actually listens for like 20 minutes. And then he retires to his chambers and ponders for hours, which never happens. So the defense is thinking, oh, my God, this actually might have worked. This whole case could be over now. And Michael's praying in the hallway and everyone's very excited. They think they're it's going to be thrown out. They're going to win. So the judge ponders for five hours and then comes out and starts talking to court for hours. And he is pointing out the merits of both sides of the case going on and on, not getting to the point. It's his time to shine. So the judge says, I think there's enough evidence The motion is denied. I'm siding with the prosecution. So the defense is like, oh, we thought that was going to work. Didn't work. So now it's their turn to present their case. They put Mike's mom on the stand. She says that Mike laid down on the couch to take a nap and she took the girls to the park. They ask her, when you came back, did you see him? And she pauses. It was the pause heard around the world. Really? Maybe I'm the only one who heard it. She paused to me. It seemed like she was annoyed, like, because the way she answers right now seems like... Well, she says, yeah. Oh, I thought... Or maybe it was, yeah. Yes, I heard it more incredulous, but... I heard it more like, yeah, I'm totally comfortable lying. I'm going to go back and watch. I heard it as incredulous, so I'm, I'm curious. Okay, all right. And then they say, well, where was he? And she says, he was sleeping on the couch. That's where she's not annoyed. He was sleeping on the couch. She sounded annoyed at that part for sure. Yeah. I heard it there. Okay. But it doesn't work. The jury does not believe her or doesn't buy anything. Well, they pitted her against, I wrote Dr. Octavio, but I meant Professor X. They they pitted them against each other. It's mom versus softball It's mom coach. versus possible superhero X-Man. slash yeah. villain. Who's also like very, I think I kind of loved him. He looked a little bit like Vincent D'Onofrio. So like a hair. <laughs> In a wheelchair. He's the best. I was very curious about him and his life and possible powers. So anyways, (laughs) but I was like, don't put mom. I'll tell you what his superpower is. Time management. Because if he had a kid, two jobs, also in college and graduated with honors. And we learned later, smoked a lot of pot on the weekends. And age 20 is doing all this. He never slept. Yeah, that stuff we found out later kind of ruined my whole idea of him. (laughs) But in this part. I was like, right, you loved it. Well, you can't put mom up against that because normal, I would say mom would come out on top. 
But not if she did that thing where he's my precious baby boy. I would like to see more of mom in trial. Right. Because they did not believe her. Because it's very easy to believe a mom would lie for her son. But it's harder to believe that this random stranger would be lying about. Especially an avid comic collector. He would. Right. You know, he was excited about something and he. And he would know. And he told the police right after, like the next day, literally the next day. So he knows what he knows. So Mike is found guilty of first degree murder and (laughs) he sobs like a little child in his attorney's chest like a dad embracing a little boy who is scared to have his picture taken with Santa. Like his head is almost tucked in his armpit. It is. It And it's leaning up against the barrel chest of his... And he's just rubbing his back, rubbing his back. It's okay, Mikey. It's okay. We're going to be okay. His attorney has a Wilford Brimley mustache And is patting his shoulder thinking, this is awkward. (laughs) This has never happened before. I don't know what to do. There, there. There, there, Mikey. It's okay. He doesn't know what to do. He's like seriously patting like someone that hugs you and you don't want to hug them. And you're like, okay. Like David and Lana from 90 Day Fiance. It's so uncomfortable. What is the effect supposed to be? If I was the jury, it wouldn't sway me. Not at all. Maybe I'm dead inside, but I would not feel badly that I had just convicted him of murder if he started weeping like that. I'm also pretty sensitive and definitely not dead inside and would succumb to something like that. But not in this case. Again, it felt super performative. I was hoping that you could see if there were tears or not. I know. But I can't because his face is buried in the chest of his attorney. But no, then we see him kind of be like, I didn't do it. And it's not. What I would have liked to see when he pulled away, if the chest of the attorney is wet from tears, that would have been helpful to see. But again, I think he does cry when it's for him. He has just been convicted of murder. So he's crying. He's playing too big of the victim card. Also, I apologize for any time I have said they showed no emotion when they got their verdict because this is too much. There has to be a middle ground. We need to remember this. No, this is we're now just at the other end of the spectrum. This was I get it, but it's no, I don't get it. It's I don't get it. It's a wild reaction. Then Dennis says that Mike wept for two full minutes. I thought he was going to say hours. I But two minutes in a dead silent courtroom is so long. If you have to sit quietly for two minutes and listen to someone cry, that is such a long time. And I felt for sure was that shade that was shade for sure. The jurors are like, when do I get my phone back? (laughs) Are we done? The taco truck is only here until three. So why did they let him go on? Normally, isn't it like silence? Like, yes. But that judge loved him. That judge who almost that judge loved him. threw yes, it out. He did. Was, what's his, the judge's name? Bird, bird art? Bernard? I don't know. I was unhappy with him. So the detective says he felt the same way we did. He says he never showed any emotion when his wife died. And now he's showing all of this emotion. It's really frustrating. He only shows emotion for himself or that sweet, sweet vacuum that he makes love to. No, but that wasn't even he wasn't crying. He was like, oh, I'm going to miss it. Oh, it wasn't crying. It was like 
gross. I well, really... she said he was crying over the blender, but there were no tears. That's what Mary told us. That's why I wanted to see if there were tears about this. So they walk him up to the, approach the judge. And he's still crying. Does the guy's shirt wet? Can you see it then? I, I, I need to go back and look now. He's slumped over like he needs the vapors. Like he cannot stand up straight. And they are having to hold him up. So the lead prosecutor is so happy that he solved this case for his dad. He's really proud. And the episode is over. Congratulations. We all go home. Absolutely not. Fence isn't done yet. Six months later, they appeal for a new trial on prosecutorial misconduct because apparently during the prosecutor's closing argument out of the judge's eyesight, while the prosecutor's giving his closing argument, there's another prosecutor and he has an easel and on the easel is a jigsaw puzzle that he's putting together. Did you, is this you? This Did is you me. do this defense? Are we yes. this prosecution? Was this you? I love a jigsaw puzzle. What this felt to me was a lot like the sediment in the glass of water, where he shook up the glass of water and said, by the time I'm done talking, this sediment will all be at the bottom and the water will be clear and your answer will be clear, except he didn't time it out properly and the sediment had not gone to the bottom. But it did work. He got the pictures up in time. This worked as the prosecutor's winding up his speech. The puzzle comes into shape. The problem is it's huge puzzle pieces. There's only like nine puzzle pieces. So it's pretty obvious what the picture is going to make. It's not like, but I guess that's good. Otherwise, the jury members would be distracted looking at it going, what is that? Is that a deer drinking out of a stream in front of a mountain? Yeah, I'd be really distracted. What is that? A Is that an Ansel Adams photo that were is that what that is that the babies that are dressed in cabbage is that what is that what the puzzle so is were of? they saying because the actual image right so it's not it's just cheesy it's not against the law what they did but what's what they have trouble with is the photo that they used is of mike which i never said so the final photo is of mike but it's his mugshot and the mugshot had never been shown to the jury so they felt like it was painting him in a bad light question what mugshot is that because that's not the mugshot that we saw it's a different mugshot that's correct it's not the one where his mustache looks surprised in this one he's wearing glasses here's the problem it wasn't just that it was the mugshot it was that in this particular mugshot he has a questionable mustache and pedo mm -hmm. glasses so what you've done is you know that whoever that picture is, he's guilty of something. There's no doubt in your mind. When you, If you were to be just shown that picture in a lineup, you'd be like, that guy. Who's hanging out front of schools? That one. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first one you'd pick. It's something about those, I don't know what those glasses are. And you've got the questionable stash. It's like this little sort of, it's not thick and it's unkempt and it's not thick or thin. It's some unhappy medium. It's like that game that I suggested sexual predator or just the 80s. Yeah. But this was the 90s. So there's also a second thing that they want a new trial for because there's newly discovered evidence that benefits the defense. So the judge, which is the same judge that pondered for five hours and almost turned over the whole case, 
says, yeah, he should get a new trial because this judge clearly doesn't think that he did it. Not at all. So there's going to be a new trial. Two new prosecutors are in charge. And for some reason, we find out that they play in a band together. No. And they don't play in a band together. Or one of them plays in a band. So the young buck, we have like the younger guy, the young gun, and he gets off a motorcycle and like rips his helmet off and does like kind of a shake out of his hair and a face. And then the older guy with the long white hair, who's like maybe in his 50s. An aging rocker, if you will. Yeah, he's in some sort of a band. Cover or otherwise, I don't know. So we get his B-roll of playing in this band. Motorcycle, one guy, band. Right. So we know they're the cool prosecutors. And then Dennis, I think this the whole reason we find this out. Like we saw Mike Murphy surfing that whole that whole episode. And I was fine with that. So I'm okay with one time we saw somebody like rock climbing or something. And we did make a big deal about why are we finding out what this prosecutor's hobby is? No one cares. But the reason I think we get all this B-roll and of the band playing them is so Dennis can say, can they make Michael George face the music? That's why. They also make a motorcycle pun when he gets off. They do? Yeah, it's something about like uh, roaring into town. Two prosecutors like, no, no, they do both. They do two puns, like two play on words right in a row about the bike and the band. Back to back. That's what Brenda Strong does on blood relatives. She got it from Dennis. Yeah, she got it from Dennis. So it's now 2011. Michael George has been in prison and apparently he suffers from a very severe vitamin B deficiency, which I'm not laughing about. I'm sure it's a thing. Did he say he got it from the prison food? For No, from like unhealthy conditions. Vitamin D or vitamin B? B, I heard. I heard B as in boy. I heard B as well. I would assume D because not a lot of sun. sunlight. Right. But he has a he has a window in his cell. So this vitamin B deficiency is so severe that it is confined him to a wheelchair. So he's wheeled into court. Now, if you'll remember, the softball coach, Professor X, Professor X is also in a wheelchair. So it's wheelchair versus wheelchair Versus wheelchair. I wrote it too. Wheelchair versus wheelchair. Ultimate smackdown in court. <laughs> Defendant versus witness for the prosecution. Wheels of steel. Do we think he's in a wheelchair to one up the softball coach? Absolutely. I guarantee you these lawyers told him, look, yeah. the reason your mom, who is 80 and sort of adorable and sprightly and sassy, did not win out over Professor X is because he is in a wheelchair and he got some sort of vote because of that from the jury. What he's not seeing is what I see. And I'm assuming that the jury saw, which is that clearly this man is special. And so (laughs) I think that the softball coach, you mean? Yeah, but the softball coach, but all they're seeing is that, oh, it's the wheelchair short sighted. Yeah, they don't Mm -hmm. see it. They just see the wheelchair and think, oh, well, we're going to put our guy in a wheelchair. It's such a weird move. It's the Harvey Weinstein in the Walker thing. It doesn't work. No one feels bad for you. At all. No, it never works. I think it backfires. There's one. No, there's one point that I feel bad for Michael George in this episode. And it, it's coming. Oh, and I can't I'll, wait. I'm sure it's, so, you saw it. We have a new judge this time. Thank God. A woman. A woman. Yeah. There we so go. the prosecutor rockers 
the rock star prosecutors, <laughs> motorcycle clad rock star prosecutors, say the motive was the life insurance and he wanted to be with Renee. And they really push home that Mike found Barbara completely unattractive, rude. She's size confident. Now, they even say he wanted to get rid of his overweight wife. They say oh, it. I really don't. I it's, really. She's gone. Let's not do this. It's effective. They put several people on the stand who back up this. Yeah. So there's a lady who was in the comic book store with her son just days before the murder. And she said, oh, Mike, your daughters are beautiful. And he said, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be with Barbara. She's unattractive and heavy. If it wasn't for her, I would take the kids and move to Florida. And here's your receipt. Don't talk to customers that way. Also, Barbara was in the store at the time. This is just this is the most disgusting. This was just a few days before the murder. At the funeral, this same lady goes up to Mike and he gives her what felt to her like an inappropriate and intimate hug. And she felt like he was hitting on her. And it wasn't just a vibe. What's an intimate hug? Maybe the length, maybe some caressing, like up and down movements, maybe where your hands are placed. Oh, like on the back of the head? If someone touches the back of... Maybe, maybe around the waist, side of waist. I'll tell you what I think it is. You know how when you hug, you kind of scoot your rear back a little bit? Okay. Or like some people do. I might. like. But where you're you saying hug. intimate would be genitals are face-to-face. A hips forward hug. Mm-hmm. That I would find inappropriate. If someone hugged me flat body to flat body in the front, I would be like, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not acceptable. We're just hugging. You're basically hugging your two shoulders together, right? That's yeah, almost that's like, appropriate. Yeah. Hugs are, especially at a funeral. No, stick that butt out. Yeah. yeah. A full body, Tush out. flat front to flat front hug is not. No. And I think the hands may be draped around her sides or bottom of her back. No. And maybe upper butt. And no. maybe move. he moved him up and down a little like a caress. Or maybe he f***ed the Stop material it. of her sweater, which is from Seinfeld. He f***ed. stop saying the word you can't just say it to say it (laughs) the material on her sweater adam can you believe all of her saying that people will know what she's saying you do it just to bother me that's cruel i think that would get me as a jury guilty this was an effective witness and the thing is though you would go well are we sure this woman knows what she's talking about some women just think people are hitting on them except like some guys do but then we get proof Because the next week, she and her son went back into the comic book store, which stopped going to that comic book store. But they went and he passed her a note like they're in fifth grade and she saved it. Do you like me? Check yes. Check yes, no, maybe. Good for her for saving that note. She is an MVP. What the note say? It says, you look very, very, very pretty today. Three varies. Thanks for coming in. Sincerely, Michael. This is days after the funeral. He's a cad, a scallywag, a cheese. (laughs) He's terrible. Dennis calls him a womanizer and a scoundrel. I love that. 
So a longtime friend of Barbara's takes the stand to say she knew about, as Dennis says, capital T for trouble in their marriage. Dennis is my soulmate. That's wonderful. I love him. He that. totally is. He's my kindred spirit. Weeks before the marriage, Barbara called this friend crying, saying Mike wanted a divorce and Barbara didn't want one. Now, this is where we come back to what Katie put a pin in at the beginning, which was that Barbara was throwing a surprise party for this man. This horrible, horrible husband. She was trying. She was trying to make their marriage work. And because they, after the surprise party, they had this romantic getaway planned. It wasn't just the surprise party. It was like, surprise, and -and so-and-so's taking the kids, and you and I are going to go to this cabin that you like. She had planned this thing to kind of reinvigorate their marriage. I'm angry. I'm angry. And also, it uh, does put a whole nother layer to that swimsuit calendar in the back. And he's constantly making comments about how heavy she is. Don't try to make your marriage work with this man. Ladies, raise your standards. Okay, if you're on the jury and they had brought out the swimsuit calendar to show you the trajectory of the bullets, what guilty, right? Yeah, guilty. I mean, so I'm sure some women have those up and are fine with it, maybe. But it's that combined with the body shaming of his wife. No, in 1990, it doesn't read well. No, I don't like it. It's like he put it up there to be like, hey. Her. Yeah, this is what you could look like. Right. It's I, I have a feeling he was, if he's speaking publicly about her size, mm-hmm. imagine what he's like behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. So at the funeral, this same friend of Barbara's heard Mike yell out, Mom, did you call the insurance company? That's a really bad joke. I'm sure he thought he was being funny, but that's not funny. Or he was just being genuine. He wanted to know if she had called the insurance company. Really? I, honestly, I don't even know if he was joking. He seems to have no sense of common decency or appropriate behavior. Which is so weird because we do get all of these people that tell us about what a great family man he is when they move to Pennsylvania and like how he's done all this great stuff and how much he loves Renee. A woman works in the nail salon near the comic book store in the same strip mall. She said she heard about 30 arguments that summer between them. And the one she heard the day of the murder sounded more violent and angrier than any of the ones before. And less than four hours later, Barbara's found dead. But no one in the strip mall heard any gunshots and no one saw him at the store. However, he didn't ask the police on the scene what Barbara's condition was when they said she was injured. He didn't say, what happened? How is she? How did she get injured? And then they're driving him to the hospital and he says something must have fallen on her in the back room, but no one had told him she was found in the back room. Oh boy. Oh boy. And they don't think it was a robbery because her wedding ring was there, the cash in the register, all that stuff. Right. Now, the two missing boxes of comics were unmarked and there were tons of other unmarked boxes. So no one would know which boxes to grab unless it was an inside job. They think he snuck in the back door during the time where she had stepped out to order pizza for the surprise party. Mm -hmm. He sneaks in the back. When she comes back into the back room, he shoots her. Then he goes back out the back door into the alley. Now, the back door to the alley was locked. It was double locked. And he was the only one with the key. So a killer could not have run out the back door. 
and no one was seen running out the front door. And apparently the killer would have been carrying two huge boxes of comics and no one saw anyone go out the front door with two huge boxes of comics. Well, what about the guy in the fisherman's cap? What about the bearded lady? <laughs> the prosecutors think that they could have been Michael George's accomplice, which was my OMG moment. Now you're throwing an accomplice in there? Give us more about that. They brush over it completely. Nothing more about the accomplice. It's got to be Renee, right? In a beard. It has to be Renee. In a beard. Yeah. So now we have the softball guy, the most important piece of the Professor puzzle. Professor X. The jigsaw puzzle. Professor X. We see the alibi all drawn out like a comic with little boxes that say the alibi and the time of the crime and the timeline. It's just like a comic strip. Mm -hmm. And softball guy. Professor X. Sorry, Professor X. He would go to the store once a week. He called about a Spider-Man comic because it had gone up in value. Mike answered and he sound hurried. Why would Mike pick up the phone? if he is staking out his shop to murder his wife. So the prosecutor says he's a businessman and he doesn't want to lose business. Uh. To which I say, if you're answering the phone in the middle of lying in wait to kill your wife, then you might be a workaholic and you might need a therapist to help you establish a healthy work-life balance. Correct. You might need better help. For sure. BetterHelp can provide you with a licensed therapist in the privacy of your own home or comic book store. You can start communicating with a therapist in under 24 hours. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, but you can also send a message to your counselor at any time to say things like, I can't stop crying over this vacuum. I just love it so much. The toaster is getting jealous. How can I make them get along and know that my number one love is really the waffle maker? Perfect. And your counselor, they'll help you because it's their job. Yes. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states, including Michigan, where they talk like this. No, that's more Minnesota. It's not great. It was good. No, nah, it's not great. BetterHelp has counselors specialized in all kinds of issues. No, it's way more Minnesota. They have counselors specialized in all kinds of issues like depression, sleeping problems, LGBTQ plus issues, marriage issues. Cough, cough, Barbara and Mike. Yeah, for real. It's easy. It's completely confidential. It's affordable. Contact them today to start living a happier life. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com forward slash dateline. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash dateline. Because we can all use a little. Better. Help. I need somebody. <laughs> Help. Not just anybody. Help. I really need someone. Better Help. Draw yourself a happier life today. Great. Perfect. Does that make sense? Put all the puzzle pieces together. together. <laughs> Katie, can you tell us about why your skin looks so fabulous? Wow, thank you. That's quite a compliment. Yes, I absolutely can. I don't know if you guys have been listening to my skin journey with apostrophe, but it still continues and it still continues to work. Most home remedies and over-the-counter acne products do not work. And even worse, they can really, really mess up your skin. If you are like me, then you have tried every single over-the-counter acne cream, plus some home concoctions that you found on Reddit and in the deep 
dark corners of the internet that somebody from Michigan or elsewhere swore helped them with their adult acne. You might remember some of my more terrible tries, which were uh, a paste I made with baking soda, which is not to be confused with the other paste that I made with crushed up penicillin. There was also the time, it was a short time, but I was obsessed with something I had read about called like these DIY sulfur masks. Don't look it up. Don't do it. Just don't. Look, I was desperate to find anything that could work to help my horrible adult onset cystic acne. But you know what actually does work? Prescription treatments. Apostrophe has changed my skin game completely. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. Apostrophe connects you with a board-certified dermatologist, an actual doctor, who will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to you and your unique skin needs. All you have to do is fill out Apostrophe's online skin quiz about your skin goals and your medical history, then snap a few selfies, and your dermatologist will create your customized treatment plan, and it will be here like a flash. I was so impressed with how fast my treatments came to my house. And you've been using Apostrophe since way before they sponsored us, like a a year before. I I think I've almost been with Apostrophe for two years. It's close. It's been long enough that in my last follow-up, they just changed my plan. Because they're going to change up, actually, my regimen a little bit just because they don't want to keep me on one thing too long. So they're trying some new things right now, which is great. I really appreciate that because they actually have my health in mind. So you you know that they're actually tracking what they're giving me to take. And right now I take Oracle. Sorry, Oracle. I take or I see an Oracle right now. I take I take oral And he says, the future is clear. (laughs) There we go. I take two oral medications and I use a topical cream. And so right now they're having me cut back to one in a different dose of my oral medications and keep my topical cream. And apostrophe doesn't only treat acne. They help you with your other skincare goals, like reducing redness, wrinkles, even dark spots. I have a long list of skincare goals aside from my acne, especially now that my acne is clearing up. I need to sort of try to improve my skin's texture because of all my magical potions that I've used for years and years before finding apostrophe. So it's kind of damaged. And, you know, as we age, you can tell that stuff more. So apostrophe, (laughs) apostrophe's at-home delivery service means that I am getting the skin I've always strived for delivered right to my home without wandering aimlessly through the aisles of CVS. And I'm happy to say that with my, the help of my board certified dermatologist, I am no longer suffering with acne and with the help of these topical medications for my sort of, we'll call it surface problems, surface (laughs) issues, my texture of my skin is looking a lot better and a lot healthier and a lot smoother and someday you may not be able to tell that I even spent a long time mixing up with a mortar and pestle some sulfur (laughs) stuff. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't look it up. It's fine. Right now, we have a really special deal for our audience. You can save $15 off your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash date dateline when you use our code date dateline. This code only applies to our listeners. So what are you waiting for? Go get started. Go to apostrophe.com slash date dateline. Click begin visit and then be sure to use our code date dateline when you're signing up and you're going to get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash date dateline. Don't forget to use our code date dateline for $15 off because it's time to put a period at the end of my skin journey. 
That's what I was thinking. That's the one I was thinking of. I almost said it. Not that I'm coming to an end, but it's exciting because it is changing right now. So I'll give I'll keep you guys updated. It's a dot dot dot. It's a dot dot dot. But I do love them. And I just signed up for texts and which makes it so much easier because then um, sometimes I miss emails. A lot of times I miss emails. And so it's really nice to have them just text my phone and then they'll say, hey, hey, it's time. Like, go check in with your dermatologist. And they also ask you like they checked in two weeks ago and were like, I had been using the new treatment for two weeks. And they said, have you been taking it every day? Like they just did a reminder. And I was like, nice. I love it. Yes, I have. Thank you, apostrophe. Thanks, apostrophe. Thank you, apostrophe. Check them out, guys. The prosecution posits that perhaps, there's a lot of P's. Posits. That he answers the phone because he thinks it's his accomplice calling. Again, with the accomplice. Where is the accomplice? I don't feel like this is a good line that they're going down here. Don't go into this line if you're not going to tell us who it is or what this accomplice actually did. Accuse Renee. If you're accusing Renee, accuse her. (laughs) Just say, what did she do also? What did the accomplice do? Well, they were the lookout. I guess. Okay, so let me ask, why do you think he answered the phone? I have no idea. Habit? Yes, me too. That's what I thought. I was like, no, he answered it out of habit. The phone rang and he's probably like, (gasps) like I worked at my old job for so many times that I would answer my cell phone with the name of the company instead of hello. It's sometimes just habit. Is it also just something that maybe he was waiting for a call? And so or maybe it was her because he was waiting for her to come back. Right. Because she was going to get the pizza. But she didn't know he was there. She wouldn't have been calling. Oh, yeah. She thought he was at home with the kids at the mom's house. Did the mom know about the whole thing and she was calling him? He thought maybe it was his mom. Mom, we don't trust you, mom. Well, nobody trusts her as we come to find out. So, yeah. So there are no phone records in the 90s, so they can't really verify any of this. Apparently, it's the wild, wild west and you don't have any cell phone. Well, there were no cell phones. That doesn't seem right to me. No records. They had cell phones, those old school Zach Morris phones. So Mike, sorry, Professor X Mike called the police the next day. He said, I called at six. I talked to him. He seemed like he was in a hurry. And then he called back and said, I don't want to get him in trouble or anything. It might have been 530. I'm not sure. Regardless, he was there. Regardless, he said Mike was there. He didn't want to get him into trouble. He liked Mike. So the prosecution thinks that's like shows how honest he was. He was not doing it to out of revenge for Mike or anything. He was trying to help Mike. But also, he called multiple times and they missed this completely the first time around. The detectives totally missed this. He said he never saw this report. He called multiple times to say that he called and talked to Mike on the phone. So how did they miss this the first time around? It's very strange. That's really odd. He even came into the police station, according to him. We'll get there. So the defense thinks Professor X is trying to insert himself into the case like people do. Like he didn't didn't have a life. He wasn't having two jobs and getting honors in college and raising a child at age 20. And being incredibly handsome. (laughs) He is. And collecting comics at a professional level, it seems like. And maybe solving crimes at night possibly solving crimes at night. He wanted to insert himself into this big murder case. And they say he's unreliable because he was changing the times. You're unreliable. 
<laughs> half an hour is not changing the times that much, I have to say. But they're like, but then it could have been four o'clock, which if he called it four o'clock, that was when Mike was supposed to be at the store before he took the kids to the mom's house. So maybe that did happen. And then they're like, he acts like he was friends with Mike and Mike doesn't remember him at all. They say like they're shading him like our client doesn't even remember him. I don't know her. She doesn't even go here. I'm going to show you a picture of Professor X and Mike at the time with his perm. And you <laughs> tell me, yeah, who's friends with who? Who's pretending to be friends? Also, they probably said to Mike, this guy says he called you when you're supposed to be at home on the couch right before your wife was murdered. He probably said, I don't even know that guy. Of course he did. Of course he did. And then he cried and then he started to openly weep. <laughs> they started weeping openly. Yeah. Added facts. So he is now saying he even went to the police station in person to report this phone call. And when they ask him, do you remember the name of the person you met with? No. Do you remember their gender? It was a male. How old were they? Old or young? I don't know. I cannot say. I cannot say. That's what he kept saying. He was very stoic, but... That really messed him up. And there's no police report. There's no record of that interview when he came in person. So there's a couple of things. Either they were inept and did not take the report or they were inept and they lost the report or he's inventing this because he's trying to make himself more important or he thinks it's helping the defense by adding more details. The prosecution. Yeah. Sorry, the prosecution by adding more details to his story. Then they say, weren't you a heavy drug user at the time? Weren't you basically high for all of the 90s, sir? They said, didn't you smoke pot on the weekends? And he says, well, I was in college. So, yeah, I probably did smoke pot on the weekends. And they say, well, this was on a Friday. Would you consider Friday part of the weekend? And you made the first call and report on Saturday, which is also a weekend. So you probably were high when you made your phone call, right, sir? Are you on drugs right now, sir? They're just like going in on him. It's so stupid. For smoking pot like he was on psychedelics or something. Were you on ketamine four days straight in a K-hole? Pot can make you lose track of time. Making calls about Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, what? No. So the defense says basically Michael wasn't husband of the year. He's a thief, a liar, an adulterer, but not a cheese, not a murderer. He's the full cheese. He's the full cheese. He's an adulterer, but he's not a murderer. So an interesting thing happens. This time, instead of the mom testifying in person, they have a stand-in read her testimony from the first trial. Who is this woman? And Dennis asks, why? And I'm saying out loud, I'm like, it was the pause. She paused. She did not do a good job. They don't want her on the stand for the second time. Oh, wow. You were really invested in the pause. Okay. I got to go back and look at it. I was really invested in the pause heard around, heard around the courtroom. I got to say, I I loved the fact that the mom was too much of a wild card. Yeah, they say she's a wild card and her memory is fading. Which means she couldn't remember her lines. And she wasn't convincing. So they put this lady on the stand. And when the lady reads, so the lady reads the testimony from the first trial. So when they say, did you see him when you got home? And she says, yeah, where was he? He was on the couch. She sounds very assertive when she's saying it. Not like the mom who sounded maybe 
confused and hesitant, maybe annoyed with the question. Did the lady seem assertive? Because to me, she seemed unbelievably monotone. I was like, hire an actor. Yeah, me. I don't know if she works for them in their office or if she's a totally private entity. She was the woman with the disguise. How do you get that job? Can I do that? Can we ask her, do you own a Greek fisherman's hat? Because I feel like she was, <laughs> I don't know who this woman is. Where did she no. come from? I don't know. But they found that she just reading the lines would be more convincing than putting the mom on the stand. It wasn't. I think that was the worst thing the defense did in this case, to be honest. Because all it does to me is go, why isn't the mom testifying? They obviously don't think the mom would do a good job on the stand. It, well, you know she's alive because they don't say she passed away. That's why we're having her read. I'm going to be honest. If you don't put the mom on the stand, you have to put George Michael on the stand. Wake me up before you go, go. You can't just have neither. Right. But there is a third person who kind of backs up this story, and this is the mom's neighbor. So the mom's neighbor takes the stand. She says that that day she got home between 5.45 and 6 p.m., and she saw the mom and the two girls at the park. She waved to them. She pulled into her house, and she saw a van, which she assumed was Mike's van, parked at the mom's house. So if it was there, how did he get to the house to do the murder? And I think... Well, the accomplice could have driven him and he could have left the van. That's one possibility. So that doesn't prove anything. Also, they say, well, the police were so inept at their job, they didn't even find this neighbor. They never interviewed these this neighbor. We found her. So that means they found her years later, which means she easily could have been messing up which weekend this was. There's no way you'd remember it. You'd never remember it because Carb... Blindness, hashtag find a cure. But your memory plays tricks on you. This easily could have been another weekend. Unlike Captain X, who called the very next day to say, I just talked to him on the phone. They're finding this lady years later. And your memory conflates things. You start to think, oh, I just saw him the day his wife died. But really, you saw him the weekend before his wife died or the couple days before his wife died. Conflates things. Can you imagine me on the stand? I would be spouting things from six years ago. I sent Katie a text that we were covering this episode called Flesh and Blood. Okay, I'm not telling you. Oh, please don't tell it. It's so bad. We'll tell it on Patreon. It's that embarrassing. I uh, cried a little bit. So we can't talk about it. We can't talk about it. So she they say, oh, well, the police were terrible at their job. They never tested Mike for gunshot residue. Never tested him for gunshot residue. Yeah. Full stop. And never test the back door for fingerprints, which is where they think the killer would have left. But it couldn't be a random killer because the door was locked. And Mike's the only one with the keys. And double locked. Now, in the photos of the crime scene, there's a lot of junk leaning up against the door or kind of blocking the door. It's hard to tell from the angle of the photographs. So it's hard to know how that he would have gotten through that back door without moving a bunch of stuff behind him. But also they know no one saw him leave in the front door and no one saw a killer leave through the front door. So it it still doesn't really prove anything because you know that they had to have left through the back door. Because you can't prove that the paramedics didn't come in and knock everything down. It's like those weird little plastic baskets that stack on each other. Those things are like, I mean, they fall if you look at them wrong. So yeah, it's true. Yeah, they're a disaster. Mm-hmm. I hate those things. The defense offers alternative suspects. And this I thought they actually did a pretty good job of. So they, 
And normally we do alternative suspects. They did our job for us. There is another comic shop 50 miles away where a man was peddling hot comics the day after the murder. So this guy on the stand says he saw the first date line, which was OMG. I didn't know there was a first date line. This is part two of two date lines, apparently. And he's also marked dateline is referenced on dateline on your bingo cards which is a rare thing but it does it's happening more and more so he saw the dateline and thought that's weird i saw some guys you know selling stolen comics the day after so he tells the police that but then two of his friends take the stand and they say he's totally wrong that was weeks before he's an idiot can i ask you a question Okay, of these three scenarios, which how was he selling the books? It's in a different book. So you open a book and the comic book is like inside. Oh, that's a lot of work. Okay. <laughs> coat. Or you open the coat. <laughs> and it's of watches. Like stolen watches. <laughs> yeah, it's comic books out like that. Or just out of the trunk of his car. In like bags. I think C, but I want it to be B. In the boot where the spare tire is kept. So he lifts it up. Yes. Yes. Closes it down. Yeah. I want it to be the coat. So I want it to be in Bibles. He pretends he's a Bible salesman. I think you should really look at this Book of Mormon real quick. And then really read the tale of Job and then flips through and it's like, there's a comic. So another customer of the comic store comics world saw a suspicious man outside the store trying to look into the store suspiciously the fisherman's cap guy the greek fisherman's cap guy and then somehow the police have found this lady or maybe she found them who is unrelated to the comics world store but says that she used to date a guy who wore a fisherman's cap just like that and he carried a gun with him and whenever they would go to a comic book store he would steal the comics Ladies, raise your standards. Don't date him. Be your own Prince Charming. Why would you be a thief in like a highly recognizable hat? That's a weird kind of thief. But doesn't it kind of make you go, maybe he did try to rob the store. He carried a gun on him, wore a fisherman's cap. He was casing the joint. I wrote the defense kind of kills it here because they lay out Professor X with the stupid marijuana stuff and they like kind of knock it down the one mistake they made was not having mom that was their main point was that he had an alibi so you have to have something about that you can't just have some lady from reading a transcript from last the last trial i know and be like hey do you can you come into court and read this real quick i'll give you 35 dollars. like you can't do that (laughs) i'll buy you a grand slam breakfast they didn't say this is a clerk they needed to say that but but i feel like i would have had a hard time with reasonable doubt yeah. In this case. Yeah. This fisherman guy sounds maybe. Well, and also the cops didn't do their job. Why didn't they trace? Okay, if these these things are super rare, right? You know what year this Spider-Man edition is and these other editions of this. You saw the list. Well, you only have Mike's word about these. They don't even think these boxes existed. Then maybe you should look around at other comic book stores and surveil them and say, hey, has anybody come in and tried to sell Anything on this list in the past five months, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's the way you have to track it. And they couldn't find Professor X's testimony. It's just, it's wild. So then there's the bearded lady who another customer saw. This is a different Uh, customer. uh. 
But these guys are actually fairly believable. It's two guys. They saw this person with womanly hips wearing a fake beard and hoodie up and sunglasses. And they thought it was so weird that they warned Barbara. There's some weird person out there in a fake beard. And they even thought to themselves, maybe they're coming to the party dressed up as a joke. Or maybe they're trying to rob the place because that's clearly a fake costume. Especially in a hoodie. In a hoodie in the summer. So they thought it was weird enough that they warned Barbara right before she was killed about this person, the bearded lady. I have an idea, though. Why don't we do a test? Why don't you and I, the next time we're together, you can choose. You could either be in a beard or a fisherman's fisherman's cap. And we'll just hang out in front of a store. We'll pick a store like an edible arrangements and we'll see how long it takes for the police to be called. Okay. And occasionally peek in the window. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. Doing it. So the defense says to Dennis, we think the bearded lady is the killer because they don't think Mike's the killer. It was clearly the bearded lady. So (laughs) Mike doesn't take the stand because apparently he doesn't remember anything. They did a, a mock trial and they asked him questions and he said, I don't remember a million times. So they said, we absolutely can't put him on the stand. And Dennis says, well, the prosecutor thinks it's more because Mike can't stand up to their questioning, to which I say he's in a wheelchair. Don't say stand up. I think that was shade. I don't know if that was shade. Or I not. think it was like little quiet Dennis, Dennis shade. Well, maybe he also said heavy in this episode. Yeah, it's we true. don't know what's going on. Dateline talks to 10 jurors. They felt like it came down to. Professor X, the softball coach, they thought the defense was trying to personally attack him by calling him a drug user. And at the same time, they thought it's very conceivable that a mom would lie for her son. And so it's who do you believe of those two people? So it's again, they present all this other evidence. And yet again, trial number two, it comes down to the exact same thing it boiled down to in trial one, mom versus Professor X. And like, seriously, it does show poor character that you're saying like you smoked weed. He's 20 years old and in college. Yeah. Everybody on the jury is going to have some kind of be like, all right. OK, what's the big okay, deal? So, yeah. Yeah. As the verdict is read, Mike is silently weeping. Once again, like before the verdict is even read, he's already silently weeping and they find him guilty of murder. Now, Barbara's brother, Joe, who I loved, says he wanted to cheer out loud, but he didn't add respect for Mike and Barbara's daughters who are crying, which I thought was very nice. Go, Joe. He's given life without parole. And Dennis says, in the end, it didn't take a superhero to get justice. And we're seeing a superhero. We're seeing the whole comic strip. It took a dedicated prosecutor. And we see the prosecutor who was doing it for his dad looking out the window very stoically like he's a superhero. And detectives. And we see the two detectives like walking down the hallway who believed in truth, justice and the American way. And then that turns into a comic book. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's an amazing episode. You guys need to watch it. Yeah. Highly recommend. It's like no Dateline I've ever seen. Yeah, that's true. They gave up this format. Just they had they only had a comic book. I guess if they had another comic book episode, maybe they would do it. This know. was a sweeps. It had to be a sweeps episode because it was just an incredible amount of time went into yeah. this. So yeah. this episode is dedicated to a very special Patreon. Artie. Artie. Who's Artie, Katie? This episode goes out to you. Oh, just somebody I know. Just a member of my family who found us. By accident, kind of. 
and I am delighted that he is a listener. Hi, Artie. It's my mom's favorite cousin. Favorite. She'll tell me that every time. It's basically like his second name is Artie, my favorite cousin, whenever she talks about him. And he's been listening to us for a while, and the penny has dropped that the Katie in the Katie and Kimberly (laughs) is Liz's daughter. We should clarify, because first I was like, that's a Joni move. If my mom wasn't married to my dad, I would set these two up because that's something Joni would do. But he already does not talk to Katie very often, would not recognize her voice. No, he would not recognize my voice, but he was at my wedding and saw the incredible speech that Kimberly gave. So he got to see us perform live. He did. He saw live. Well, he saw one, one half of the duo live. It makes me so happy. Artie, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you. And thank you for being a Patreon. That's amazing. It's so sweet. I want to make him be friends with my cousin, Randy, who is also a Patreon. And they could be cousins of the show. Randy and Artie. That sounds yeah. great. Yeah. But it's too late. He already has a friend, my mom. And she needs all the friends she can get. Oh. She needs a friend. It's no. Does Randy <laughs> have Hill? Does Randy have a friend? I thought you were my friend. Does Randy already have a friend? She has several friends. My She's mom has Artie, so you can't take my mom's friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's her favorite cousin. Don't it's take her favorite it. Cousin. Don't can't steal it. Thank you so much, Artie. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a really fun one. Watch it. Thank you, Artie. Let's talk B-roll Bonanza. Oh, did you see the creepy happy birthday balloons? Yeah, I did. Some PA had to go to Party City, get like a happy birthday bouquet, and then they did this dark, like the saddest surprise party that never was i did not this is a cursed friday the 13th surprise party that ended in murder yeah it was this this could be a movie yeah it was not right what did you see lenora and her husband walking their dog and professor x watching girls hit a batting cage so they did they went to the batting cage because he's a softball coach and they filmed b-roll at the batting cage and a crime fighter. And the best B-roll is the band, the prosecutor with the band and the prosecutor on the bike. I did not recognize the song of the band. I want to think it's a cover band, but I think it, it's their song. I think it is, too. He was stoked that got in. Also, it was not an empty bar that they were playing to. So good on you. They must be kind of popular. The ex-girlfriend, Mary, was that her name? Yes. Did you notice that in her interview, she got to sit in front of a fire? Why don't they do that more? Very Danielle Steele. I want, can I request that? Yeah. Okay, so if something happens to me and you have to go on, can you be in front of a fire? I get so hot and I sweat. I don't feel like that's going to be a good look for me. A fake fire. Okay, maybe a fake fire. Okay, and then if I'll do it for you, unless you pick something else for me. I'm going to pick something else for you. Oh, come on. No edge of mountain. No. (laughs) Did you have any fashion police? Well, Dennis looked like Mr. Rogers in a blue button-up underneath a red sweater and I liked it a lot yeah it just looked cozy 70s it went with his little sideburns yeah Mm -hmm. and Mike when he's arrested is in dad core he is wearing a striped collared shirt with the logo on the chest and the khaki shorts and the white tennis shoes and white socks did you notice there's one picture of Michael and Renee that they have literal matching perms (laughs) It's yeah. almost as like two hair becomes one where they're so together. <laughs> when two becomes one. Why does there, why do perms always look like that? But 
I know your perm didn't look like that. My perm never looked like that. Because I don't didn't have short hair. It's a short hair perm thing. Oh, we needed short hair? Yeah. If you have a long hair, the perm, the curls relax in a different way. If you cut your hair soon and donate it, you want to do it together? Yeah, it sounds great. No, I do not want to do that. That was sarcasm. Crime Con Las Vegas? No. Absolutely Matching not. perps. I'm getting a swig. No. It's already done. Do you have titles? I have titles. I do. Was one of your titles sunglasses at night? No, but I like it because he had sunglasses at the funeral. I was sure you were going to do it. You didn't do it. No, because he had sunglasses at the funeral, which was during the day. I know, but you generally do that title if somebody wears sunglasses at an inappropriate time. Really? Wow. I'm unoriginal. No, you're not because you didn't do it. I missed it. I'm just thought of as unoriginal by you. No, I just want to think I know you better than I do. So that was that was a that was a hand reaching out. Let me love you. I just you. let it go. Yeah, I and just... you're just like, get it away. You're Rose on the raft, and I'm Leo. I had several Spider-Man, Superman, douchebag man, cheater husband man. There we go. A missing piece of the puzzle. That's good. Because that jigsaw puzzle. That's really good. A comically bad defense. Except I thought they did an okay job, but comically, because comics. That's really good. I'm impressed. Capital T trouble in capital C comics world. Oh, good. You gotta have faith, faith, faith. He'll be found guilty. Yeah. Freedom. Michael George won't have freedom. Wake me up before you go to jail. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) It's perfect. What about a very graphic dateline? Yes, loved it. What about while my Michael gently weeps? <laughs> and then I had my one Dennis's omnibus. An omnibus is like those hardback collection of comics that are all like, it's like series one, series two. It's like, you know, like if you did a collector's ed- edition of all the Harry Potter books together, it'd be this giant thing. Okay, I like it. I looked up comic words and I found that one. <laughs> I tried to get somewhere with like drawing. I did too. And ink. I tried to get a couple. You know what? I'm going to think of 10 after this. Well, art, your cousin. Oh, art. Artfully dodging the truth. (laughs) No, that doesn't work. Okay. I'm barely. Yes, it does. It absolutely does. And it's a literary reference. So it's accepted. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you, Professor. Can you please go watch X-Men and tell me if you think I'm right? (laughs) I'll Google the picture. I'm not going to watch it. It's Patrick Stewart. I like Patrick Stewart. He doesn't look anything like him. It's a vibe thing. Okay. I just got that feeling. (laughs) It's a very strange vibe to get from someone. Getting superhero vibe. I feel like they have powers. I don't know. There was something like very quiet. I would believe him on the stand. He was a hard witness to beat. Let's put it that way. Cute mom was not going to cut it. No way. Wait, so do we think he did it? The dad, the, the Mike did it? I don't know, to be honest. I think so, but... I think he did it or he had someone else do it. I think there is a chance he had someone else do it. And I think he did also have them steal the comic books on purpose. Maybe it was Renee. Do you think he had someone do it and steal the comics so that that was their payment? Because it was $12,000 worth of comics? Maybe. Even though we don't even know if those comics even existed. If he was smart, he would have had them take the money out of the cash register and the money that was in her pocket. Maybe they were supposed to. But remember, people kept trying to come in. Yeah, it's true. So there is a chance that the fisherman's cap guy and was the woman on the stand actually the woman wearing the beard? Which woman? The woman who used the date fisherman's cap. Greek fisherman hat. 
So they're a couple. Bearded Lady and Fisherman's Cap are a couple. And she's Bearded Lady, but she's... But she actually was on the stand. And she was like, I used to date this guy. Yeah, she kind of threw him under the bus a little bit. No, the Bearded Lady and the Fisherman were seen by different people. They were not together. Well, no, because one of them's inside murdering. (laughs) Okay, that's possible. Man, the police really needed to look much heavier into who else is in Mike's circle. Who are we missing here? Right. If he had a helper somewhere. Yeah. Because I always just think the easiest solution, the simplest solution, you know, Mm -hmm. think horses, not zebras. And I think that it's... Why are you laughing? It's an expression. I've never heard that. I say it all the time, though. Not to me. I've said it on the podcast, I'm sure. You've never said it on the podcast. Maybe a year, two years ago. It's horses, not zebras. (laughs) I rem- I, here's what I know from you. The bunny analogy, the children not remembering thing. Is that the same analogy? Are they the same one? Yeah. There's yeah. one about bunnies. There's one about children. Sunglasses at night. Just kidding. You don't say sunglasses at night that much. How many times have I said it? But I, Well, you've never said horses, not zebras. You say you don't believe in coincidences. Adam, have you heard her say horses, not zebras? Can you let me know? Am I losing? It's very, I have goldfish, so... I don't know. They teach it in medical school. Like the simplest solution is often the most correct one. If you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras. Think of the most simplest solution first. And he was cheating on her and demeaning her and wanted a divorce. And would have gotten money. And would have gotten gotten life insurance from her. So it all lines up that way. So it's what it would be a crazy, unlucky coincidence that she happened to get murdered at the time when all this was going on. I'd also like to hear from the other daughter that wasn't in court. It seemed like only one daughter was in court. What'd she think? I feel like they believe. They must believe their dad. They said they were a happy family, right? Yeah. And she, they were raised with the five siblings of, with, of Renee. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, thank you everyone for listening. Follow us on social media. Check out our Patreon. We have every month we are releasing an extra episode for people who have joined our Patreon at the $5 level and above. And at the $10 level, you can join our live stream that we do once a month. And you can um, experience some of the extra content that we do, like 90 Day Fiance recaps and uh, Drag Race All-Stars is coming. So we will be reinstituting the drag brunch, not every week, but we will be doing some coverage of that. Yes. Thank Thank you, everybody. It's horses, not zebras. We have confirmation on wet shirt. I do not see a wet shirt, but he also has on a very dark navy blue suit. Hard to tell, but it does not look like it looks like he's rubbing his eyes in an attempt to like conjure up tears friction because even when he's in his arms, he starts going like this and rubbing his eye. Maybe one of the guards slipped him some onion in his pocket. And then he, that would be a good idea. No, I think he's just doing this with his heel. You know how when you can do that and make your eyes like water? I think that's what he's trying to do is like, if he can get the tears going, he can start crying. But he's got to get them going. The tears, they're just not coming. The tears just aren't coming. We went for a ride in the car today and my dad wore his very favorite Kangol hat, which is. Does it have a down brim or it's a cappy, right? It's like a cappy and it says Kangol on the back. It's I made fun of him. So last night I couldn't sleep and I was lying in bed and I was thinking 
just thoughts to entertain myself. Like sometimes, who's your favorite side character on Pop's Burgers? But last night it was, what is the last superhero movie you saw? Mm-hmm. I could only think of two that I had ever seen in my entire life. They were both Batman movies and they were both in the 90s. You never saw that Spider-Man movie with Kirsten Dunst? I find that weird. I've never seen a Spider-Man movie ever. Never seen a Superman movie ever. Never seen a Marvel movie. Never seen an Avengers movie. I don't know if that's the same thing. Never seen an X-Men movie. Didn't see Black Panther. Never seen anything. It's embarrassing. I think I would like them because I love lore. I love lore. I love like a story and stuff like that. Just not Lord of the Rings. Sure, which I've also never seen. I just think I might get too into it if I watched them. I totally respect people who are super into it. I love that, but I, don't I just think never so. have. Maybe I wouldn't like them. Maybe I think they're dumb. I don't know. It's not like Harry Potter. The last thing I saw, I saw Jessica Jones the first season, and I did not know it was superhero until halfway through the first episode, and she jumped really far. And I thought, what am I watching? I thought this was like a dark drama, and I had to Google it. And I found out she was part of that world and I almost stopped watching, but I kept watching and it was really good because David Tennant was in it. So I had to watch. It is good. That first season of Jessica Jones is real fun. Yeah. Okay. So, and no shame. I love that people get into these movies. They go to the theater and they get really excited. I love it. I love it. It gives us something to do. Can we call him Professor X? Sure. I just don't know what that means, but I'm fine with it. (laughs) 